get through today, get through our circumstance, get through this week, Father, without the power of the Holy Spirit, without you, without the Word. And Father, we just want to experience you this morning. Whatever picture we have of you as a Father, Lord, I, I pray that it's defined by the Word of God. That you say that you love your children. You say that you're in constant pursuit of your children, Father. That means every single day you're after me. There's nothing that I can do that can outdo that pursuit, Lord. There's no sin great enough to outdo you, Father. You still want to be in my presence, Lord. I want to be, we want to be in your presence this morning. Father, as we jump in, God, I pray collectively we can just say yes, Jesus. That this morning we say yes to you. We say yes to your promises. Father, there's something that you want for us this morning. Lord, we don't want to miss out on it, but we don't want to miss out on the gift to give her. The gift is amazing, but the gift to give her, Father, is the one. It is you, Lord, who we're concentrating on this morning. So, God, I pray that you would remove anything that would allow us to hinder us, Lord, from hearing the word of God this morning. Get that out. You come against the enemy in Jesus' name, saying, this is not your territory. <laughs> this is kingdom territory. Amen? Come on now, church. Right where you are. This morning, pray. Pray out loud with me. I don't know what it is that the Lord would want you to pray, but just open up your mouth this morning and start praying for the city or praying for your family or your situations, the person next to you. We pray collectively, it moves the heavens. So this morning, Father, as a body, Lord, we just jump in and just ask for more of your blessing. The city for Collins, Father, on each person in this room.
Zoom in right here. All right. Now we usually put the scriptures up on the the screens, and if the screens go out again, I'm gonna say this. This is church. You should have a Bible. Okay. Come on. So open it up and look at it. Amen. All right. So. Again, welcome. You guys could have spent your time anywhere else, but you spent it with us this morning. So uh, for that, I am, I am grateful. We are grateful to have you guys. We are going to continue here in the book of Romans this morning. Um, and the book of Romans has been, been unbelievable. And I told you guys last Sunday, I, I, I broke off verses 19 through the end of chapter, of chapter 4. But chapters, excuse me, verses 23, 24, and 25, I wasn't really able to expand on um, because 19 through 21 was heavy. It was very heavy. So I put, it, I put it all up there saying, hey, next week I'll come back and we'll finish the chapter. Well, today is verses 23, 24, and 25, and we're still talking about this justification by faith and not justification by works. Paul is writing this letter to the the church of Rome, the church at Rome, and you got a, a Jewish culture there that is dominated by works. It's dominated by, if I just do the deeds of, of, of what the word says, then I'm good, I'm golden. I can, I can have my golden ticket in, through those pearly gates into, into heaven. And how often do we hear in the church kind of the same narrative? Cloaked in, well, we know salvation is the only way. But if I show up to church and I go to my Bible study and I do all these Christian things, then, then I'm good. And Paul's saying, look, he goes back in, in chapter 2 and says, if you call yourself a Jew, well, if you call yourself a Christian, you better live like it. There better be an example shown through your life that you are what you say you are, not just chatter, not just lip service. Are you with me this morning? Yeah. So this justification by faith, he's taking some time to get at this. In the whole chapter 4, he uses Abraham. He uses Abraham um, in Genesis 15 through chapters, uh, yeah, Genesis chapters 15 through 21, trying to communicate to the, the Jewish nation that uh, the gospel is everywhere. And the Old Testament is as relevant today as it was back then. Amen? Amen. So that's, that's something that I want to communicate to you guys this morning is that the Old Testament, if you can get into that, Please do. Don't always jump over to you know, Matthew through Revelation. There's so much in the Old Testament that is the New Testament concealed. And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Right on? You guys with me this morning? Yeah. Good. So, I'm going to get to reading this scripture. But I love uh, chapter 4 for a lot of reasons. And how Paul has taken us back to Genesis 15 through 21. And I told you last week and even the week before that, that the gospel is in every word. The gospel is in every piece of punctuation, every sentence, every phrase, every story. If you just take time to slow down and read it and see that Jesus is all over the place. Paul, in these verses right here, is speaking about more of the same. Now, you guys come in here a lot, and you hear a lot from me the same stuff. And I don't mind being broken record. Because if I'm not preaching the gospel from the pulpit, then why am I up here? Really. 
Why, why would we do church if we miss out on the reason why we're here? Paul concludes chapter 4 by saying, here's why we believe. Here's why we do what we do. And so this morning, if we can look at these scriptures, and if we are off anywhere else in our mindset of why we do what we do in church, then let's bring it back to these scriptures this morning. Okay? Now let me read these, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a little bit of a story, very short, because my stories don't save people. It's the word. My jokes or analogies definitely don't save people. Because y'all hardly laugh at them. All right? <laughs> let's just read these, these verses so we get an understanding of what we're looking at today. Chapter 4, verse 23 says, Now, not for his sake only was it written that it was credited to him, but for our sake also to whom it will be credited as those who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He who was delivered over because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification. I was you know, studying for this throughout the week and came across this individual. And if I say his name right, Mom, you might know who this guy is. It's Fritz Chrysler. Chrysler or something like that. And he's a, uh, a famous violinist. A violin player. I don't even know the word for that. Don't judge me. Okay. So, the, the the story of this guy was that he spent all his time with you know, excuse me, playing his violin, and the money that he would get from that, he spent all his time giving it away. So the guy really didn't have a whole lot. He just would have concerts, and whatever money he would get, he would, he would just give it away. Well, he came across this very rare violin that he wanted to buy. He did not have the money for it because he gave all his money away. So he took some time to kind of raise some money to go get this thing. Once he got the money for it, he went to the seller, and the seller actually said, I'm sorry, a collector came and picked this thing up. So it's no longer for sale, but if you want to go get it from this guy, you definitely can. Well, he did that. He went to the buyer's home and said, I would like to purchase this violin. And the man said, it's become one of my most possession so it's really not for sale and it's broke this guy's heart playing the violin I can um, get on board with that because for me playing the piano is like nothing else exists when that happens so this guy is heartbroken because of this and he says to this guy well before it is destined for silence would you let me play it one last time homeowner says, sure, or the violin owner says, yeah, you can do whatever you want. So he picks this thing up and he plays this thing. And the, the ending of the story says that the man who purchased the violin was so moved by how this man played that he said, I have no right to keep that thing silent. The world needs to hear that violin. So Mr. Chrysler, please take it, it's yours. You go and you make sure that the world hears that instrument. That was a very, very potent story for me to hear because obviously I'm reading that and as a pastor I'm saying everything that I look at, I try to turn into preaching material, right? But it's the same way with the gospel, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. We have no right to keep it silent. Yeah. It is an instrument that the world needs to hear. Yes, to keep it cooped up, to keep it right here without saying it, speaking it, living it, and being an example of what the gospel is, 
We have no right to do that. But my question for us today is what are we giving? What instrument are we playing? Are we giving the correct gospel? Or are we giving something that will not save somebody from the pit of hell? Let's be real this morning. I don't know what you guys have been through today. But there might be some people in here who were contemplating suicide last night. There might be some people who jumped into church this morning, not at this building, but somewhere else, who said, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm hoping that at those churches, the gospel is coming across the pulpit. Because that person needs Jesus Christ. Are you with me this morning? I want to preach like it's the last time I want to preach this morning. So I'm just going to go ahead and swing for the fence. You guys with me? Um, usually, I got a box of tissues up here because I started getting a little emotional, but that's okay. I can use my, my sleeve today. But I say that story and ask that question for a reason. Now, to understand and walk through these verses before 23 and 24, before we get to 25, I'm going to kind of break them up. 23, 24, and then 25 are going to be not separate, um, yes, not separate. See, this is this is why I pay this guy the big bucks. <laughs> Tissues. But 23 and 24, thank you, sir. It says, again, now not for his sake only was it written that it was credited to him, credited to him, but for our sake also to whom it will be credited. Now, on that comma right there, I don't understand who he's talking about. Yes, he's talking about Abraham. If you've been here for the entire time that we've been in Romans, he's talking about Abraham. You've heard the progression. But if you haven't, Abraham was promised something. And then some 14 years later, that promise came to fruition. It didn't happen right away. So that means that when the Lord spoke to this man, there was a, a period of time that his faith had to work. He had to put his faith in something. And the faith that he had was put in the words that were spoken from God's mouth. Not from man. Not from his current situation. Now his current situation was this. That his wife was beyond childbearing years. He was 100 years old. She was 90. That's uh, kind of hard. Right? But the promise came to fruition. Uh, Isaac was the manifestation of that promise. But what faith is being talked about here is the fact that if you just backtrack with me really quick to what was preached last week, verse 19, it says, without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body. He took an assessment of his own situation, and he didn't allow his situation to speak back to him. How often do we do that? My situation is not what I want it to be, so I'm going to let that speak back to me. Here's what else it says after that. He contemplated his own body, now as good as dead. He was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb, yet with respect to the promise. Respect to what the Lord said. Not to what that person or how that person made me feel at that time in my life that uh, got at my confidence and now it's something that's kind of just right there and I can never get rid of it. No, so you cut that off with respect to the promise of what Jesus said. Mm -hmm. That type of faith is what is being spoken of Amen. here. 
and what's being communicated to the, again, you got to understand the audience, the Jewish nation in Rome, the Jewish culture in Rome, they're saying that that is not just for Abraham. This isn't something that was just for this guy back then. It's for everybody. And I love that because it's, it's the gospel. The gospel wasn't just for certain people. It's for everyone. But it says why. Well, let me get back to the scripture so I can communicate this correctly. It says in 24, But for our sake also, to whom it will be credited, that word credited means deposited. So deposited to one's account. So it was credited to Abraham as righteousness because he believed. And it's saying that it will be credited to us as well because I believe. Now, what's the content of my belief? The content of my belief can be two things. And one sounds good, but the other one is the it. And to further explain that, almost right is not right. Does that make sense? You can get real close to correct, and it can look real good. But if it's not it, I'm sorry. It's kind of like saying the half-truth is a whole lie. So again, I say the content of my belief can be two things. The content of my belief can be that if God comes through with what he says, then I'll believe. If he promises me something, let's just say I'm Abraham. Abraham's faith wasn't made righteous when Isaac was born. It was made righteous throughout the whole process because he believed whether or not Isaac came in 14 minutes or 14 years. That would be a miracle if a child was born in 14 minutes. <laughs> At least got nine months. Yeah, see, the jokes, they just they don't work. They just don't work. Getting after my confidence here. I can do all things in Christ. <laughs> so, the content of my belief is in the very next statement after the comma here in verse 24. It says, as those who believe in him, big H, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. Beck said something during the mini message before the announcements. I love it. He just said the power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is literally sitting right behind your sermon. Now, I told you that story with the violins. So the world needs to hear that. What are they hearing? Are they hearing that? Are they hearing that the only thing that can save you is him who raised Jesus from the dead? Are they hearing that, man, if you just have faith and if you just believe, you'll be all right? Well, sure, you, you might. But what's the content of your belief and the content of your faith? Well, Paul's saying, here's what it needs to be. It's one thing and one thing only. Believing in a man, in a God, excuse me, who spoke life from death, brought life from death, speaks things into existence that don't, don't exist. And uh, scripture references for that are you above that in uh, verse 18 excuse me verse 17 but here's why this is so potent ladies and gentlemen is because our faith in the content of what we believe
cannot be in the perfect life of Jesus. It can't. Our faith and belief cannot be in, uh, let's just say this, even the miracles that he performed. Because I'll say this as we read verse 25. He who was delivered over because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification. That last part right there. The title of this message says, more than a martyr. Now what's a martyr? A martyr is somebody who dies for a cause, right? Now Jesus lived an amazing life. He did a lot of amazing things. Now, let's turn to one of the cross references we have in here, which is Acts 2. Uh, I think it's 22, 24. You can get that up there. And this is speaking about Jesus. It says, Men of Israel, listen to those words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs, catch this, which God performed through him. Through him. God did it through Jesus. Alright? America's uh, one of the signs of God which performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know this man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. You nailed to the cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. And here's verse 24. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. My goodness. If that doesn't make you want to get up and run around, mm. like maybe our switches are burned off, right? Like I'm reading that and I get, I'm getting chills while I'm reading it. Mm. He had, had he not walked out of the tomb, he just would have been another man who died, lived a great life, and you and I would be out of luck. Are you with me this morning? It says God raised him from the dead. So what I'm saying is that our faith is in, a, is in Jesus. It's in God who performed these miracles. God performed these miracles through Jesus. Yet it was not necessarily his death that justified us. Although his death was a propitiation and a payment for something that we will never be able to pay for. That's that predetermined plan that he's talking about in here. The fall of Adam, okay, the Lord was like, look, I've got to do something about this. It's going to take some 2,000 years, but I'm going to send Jesus. All right, that's the predetermined plan, so don't get that misunderstood with any kind of predestination doctrine. That is not what this is talking about. That predetermined plan for the Lord to come and pay for you and me and our sin and that which separates us from the love of Jesus Christ, that's Good Friday. This could be an Easter message, right? Sitting there talking with Beck over this message, and he says there's times where I feel like people forget how important Good Friday is. It's really, really important. We're so concentrated on the resurrection, but hey, do we understand what he did on the cross? If you slow down and look at that, man, it'll blow you away. That's good. Mm -hmm. In the same sentence, had Jesus and God not raised Jesus from the dead, it would all mean nothing. Do you understand that? Every prophecy, everything that you've studied about him being on the cross, even the, uh, just his excruciating um, 
journey to the cross, my goodness, every uh, droplet of blood, piece of flesh that's hanging off of his body, anybody seen the passion? It's about ten times worse than that. They actually toned it down in that movie. It would mean nothing, ladies and gentlemen, had on the third day he not raised and walked out of the tomb. He is Amen. the only man yes. in all of eternity to mm -hmm. ever do that. Yes. No religion can claim that. I'm sorry. Thanks, God. Amen. Amen. And what I'm saying to you this morning, is that the violin that we're playing? Is that what we're letting the world hear? Or is it about, hey, i got a great church. It's got great worship. And we got cool programs. We got a guy who's really funny during announcements and a pastor who has really bad jokes. But it's cool. We go to church every Sunday with our groups of friends. And I mean, let's just go down the list. But I'll tell you what. No joke has ever saved somebody's life. And if somebody is on the fringe, I want them to hear the unadulterated word of God. The gospel of Jesus Christ. That just because you sit in a church doesn't make you a Christian anymore. You know, I use this analogy a lot. Sitting in the garage don't make you a car. Right? Sitting in these pews means nothing. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Like, don't, don't leave now. Don't say, hey, my pastor said me being in the building is irrelevant. That's not it. We need this fellowship. But I'm saying when it comes to living a life like Christ, it's got to show. But what shows is that there is nothing that I can do to justify myself. My works, my Christian living, when you move all of that off the table and you come back to a place where it says, had he not been risen, he was delivered over. Now that's a, that's a judicial term. The, the Greek word for that is a paradigma or something like that. Paradigma, I say that right. And it's a judicial, is that the wrong one? Are you back there? That's right. When you get the okay from the teacher in the room, <laughs> makes you feel good, all right? <laughs> it's a judicial term that the Lord God had to hand over Jesus for something that was, in a sense, there, there was a, a debt that needed to get paid. Obviously, we know this. So the translation of that, obviously, is a judicial term, but then we get to the uh, the second half of the statement and was raised because of our justification. You can't have one without the other. The purpose for him walking out of the tomb was so that you and I could be justified. Now that right there, ladies and gentlemen, is a gift that I hope we never take for granted. And one that we are never ashamed of talking about. What does Romans 1.16 say? <laughs> for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Greek. So the content of our belief this morning has to be solely and completely put on one thing. That the God that I serve conquered death. Now ladies and gentlemen, we have a responsibility to take that story to the rest of the world. And I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging you this morning to take it in a way 
that leaves self at the door. That you can't say, it's not about Alex, it's not about, insert your name right there. But it's solely and completely about the fact that without this, I am nothing. We are nothing. We shouldn't even be here this morning if this is not what we're going to talk about. Amen? Amen. So in closing, not only this morning, but this chapter, let's get the worship team back up here in the offering. Get ready for that. It says again, now not for his sake only was it written that it was credited to him, but for our sake also to whom it will be credited, the promise, as those who believe in him who was raised, who raised, excuse me, Jesus our Lord from the dead. He who was delivered over because of our transgressions and who was raised because of our justification. I love how simple this is. See, this morning, the Lord has promised you anything. If he said anything to you uh, of any great significance, I always tell you guys, you know, the promise he's really ever made me is that he said explicitly, I will make a way for you. Uh, it's always been that way. Anytime that something looks as though I'm not going to be able to get past this, he just opens the door, and it's easy. But if there's been a promise that has been spoken to you, or something that you have a desire in your heart to want to be fulfilled, as this speaks to us about something being credited, something being, uh, in a sense, coming to fruition, an Isaac being birthed into the world, it's very simple. We get back to the content of our faith being in one man only. God, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. And the fact that he called from nothing. Life. He spoke to Sarah's dead womb and life came from that. The example that Paul is using of Abraham in the New Testament, uh, in, in Romans at the end of chapter 4, is so that we can take away from Abraham and apply to our own life this faith, this unwavering ability, not ability, I shouldn't even say that, just an unwavering belief in who, who God is. You guys with me this morning? Yes. So, let's go ahead and, uh, you guys can, can start playing. Let's get this offering going and as we close the service, I'm just going to Pray and see what the Lord wants to do with us today. Father, I thank you so much for what you're doing. And Lord, I just, we just want to be obedient this morning. And Lord, when you touch our heart, you say something to us, and you speak to us, Lord, we want to respond. Pray that the amount of times that we ask ourselves, is that you? Are you really saying that? Father, I pray that those decrease. That we would be bold enough to walk in a manner worthy, in that manner that is worthy, Lord, is simply just believing in the fact that you are who you say you are. And Lord, without you walking out of the tomb, Father, we morning, I pray that as we pass this offering, we can be that picture of obedience that we can give, but give from a place in our heart 
Father that is uh, joyful. Lord, you're the one who knows our motivation. And Father, I pray that you bless the offering so that we put in there we can bless you with. We love you with thank you.
Bible says in Jeremiah that he knew you before he formed you. Think about that. He knew who you were and what you were for and what he was going to put in you before he started forming you. We struggle around in this life trying to live by faith and do the things that we see in Romans, but we're not who we're, who we're made to be. We're not being ourselves. When we die to ourselves, we let this flesh go. We make an exchange for the life that God has created for us before he formed us. And I believe this morning that there are some of us in here just, man, and it's kind of making me emotional. In the depths of your heart, you're like, man, this is, it's been a tough road because I know who I want to be and who I am. They're different people. And I want, it, I want to get out. I want to be liberated. If that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you to be bold. I'm going to ask you to be brave. And all I want you to do is stand up. No one's going to mess with you. If that's you this morning, that's great. Is there anybody else? All we're going to do is pray for you. That's it. Wonderful. Okay. Can you guys help me with this? Will you, will you just pray alongside this brother here? This is Clay, friend of ours. Then you need to know this. God is resurrecting the life in you that he put in you before the beginning of the time. He's liberating you to be free, to be challenged, and to be supported. And like the word says that you believe in, do you believe that the word is true? That he will be with you wherever you go. So I just ask right now in your heart as we all pray for you, can we just pray? Lord, I ask right now that there be an exchange in his heart. That he would that he would that he would hand over what he thinks could happen. And that he would accept what you have asked him to be. That, we, that he would become an absolute, meaning total, a total believer in your word. Not only that you said who you are and what you did is true, but what you say about him is, in fact, true. I pray that there's a transformation right now because of that exchange in his heart. Lord, I pray that there's a renewing of his mind. Lord, I pray that there's a letting go and a taking hold of the truth that you speak over him. The Bible says if we believe in it that we in fact are not sinners because the old man has died and behold the new thing has come. The Lord says that whatever you think about yourself that is not of the word is a lie. So Lord, I just pray for the power of the truth to fall on him now. In Jesus' name. Uh, let's stand to our feet and close the worship song.
Lord says something. Uh, I appreciate my brothers being obedient. Uh, obedient. So again, bear with me. That's right. I try not to keep you here until noon. Or run into next service. Yes. Yes. And this, and this is so important. This is so important that you hear this word. Because of the impact that it's had on me for the past few weeks. And what Pastor says, is there anything that, that, that God has, took, has given to you? He says, yes, He has. And He's poured this into me. Because it's important that you hear about how this church is coming into fruition and the way that God's doing it. And it's all through love. And some of you have been feeling like, you know, you've been abandoned. You feel like you've been left out there in left field to try to figure this whole thing out about life. And why did, did you put me here in the first place, God? Why? But because of His enduring love for you, because He loves you so very much, He wants you to know this one thing. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Okay, did you get that? Every circumstance. Not woulda, coulda, shoulda. Maybe he will today. Maybe he won't. But you know what? He says through every circumstance. So I want you to know that the love of God is being poured out to you right now. And I want you to receive that because God is love. And his love is for you to know that because he brought you here, he's building a church. And it's going to be from Laramie, Wyoming, all the way down to Trinidad, Colorado. But it's got to start somewhere, and it's got to start here with us. And that love that God wants you to know about is enduring forever. Endurance is, enduring is endurance. So you've got to go the distance. That's a fight terminology. Going the distance. Never giving up. When you get down, get back up. Get back up. Because the love of God is rising up in you to make you that person of God that you are supposed to be. And you need to receive that word. Because some of us just want to throw the towel in. Some of us just want to quit. Well, you don't quit. You go the distance. You go as far as you can, as far as God will let you go. Because when it's all said and done, He did it all. He did it all. He did it for you, for me, for everybody in this building. This whole thing was
for what has been spoken this morning and liberated. Lord, I believe that those two words go hand in hand. In order to be liberated, I have to understand how much you love me. Your love will liberate and it will bring me back to a place where I am so knocked off of my, 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 my high horse because of who you are, Father. And when you begin to show me and us how great you are, how much you love us, how much you want to be in our lives from start to finish, and how much you want us to succeed, because the plans you have for us are good for success. Father, as we go from this place, I pray that we bring the gospel, we take the gospel with us wherever we go, and we're unashamed to speak about it. If it comes up in a conversation, Lord, we're not going to shy away from it or try to make that conversation turn to the left or to the right, but Lord, we're going to give that person exactly what they need, and that's Jesus. So Father, we love you, thank you, in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, you guys are
break off verses 19 through 25 to the end of the chapter, but I was only able to preach verses 19, uh, 19 and 20 and 21. So what I want to be able to do today is kind of put a book in on this chapter 4, because there's a lot in here that I couldn't necessarily get to last week and didn't want to glance over. So just uh, understand that if it's the same, same verses as we talked about last week, that's okay. We're just going to dive a little bit deeper into it this morning. Um, but I do have to make one announcement right quick before we jump into this morning. After this service, I didn't have to do this in first service, but after this service, uh, this building is actually going to be used for a wedding. As you can see, they have stolen my table because that's what I usually put my Bible on. And I don't want to mess with all that because I don't want some uh, crazy wedding planner to come after me and say, hey, you messed with my, my table. Um, so we have to be out of here kind of, not super quick, but let's just make sure we, we, we up and if you want to move the conversations outside. That rarely happens, but today I just have to say we got to get out so that they can, somebody can get married. Amen? That's good stuff. Uh, so yes, back to back to Romans. If you've been with us for a while, you guys know that we've been in Romans since the first of the year, uh, creeping through it, which is really good, because there's, uh, there's something about slowing down and being able to look at the word line for line, precept upon precept. And today, our scripture is going to be verses 23 through 25, and I'm going to read these here in a second. But we got to understand that we're still talking about this issue of justification by faith. Paul is speaking to the church, uh, excuse me, writing a letter to the church in Rome about this. Now, the, the audience is the Jewish culture and also the Gentile culture. And the Jews are a little bit more the letter of the law. So they take living out the law as their justification. Paul is saying justification by works doesn't work. But justification by faith, by faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, is the only thing that can save. It's the only thing that can get you over the stumbling block, turn the stumbling block into a stepping stone. There is no amount, ladies and gentlemen, of coming to church, sitting in these pews, looking at our glorious red carpets, going to Bible studies, you know, all that stuff that can, can justify you. It won't justify your relationship with the Lord. It just won't. The only thing that does is what he did up on that cross and the blood that he spilled and the price that he paid. See, Paul's coming in to correct some thinking within the Jewish culture. Now, what we spoke about last week was in verses 19 through 22, and I'm just bringing us up to verse 23. And it was, it was a powerful message being spoken through the word about how we are able, we see Abraham taking an assessment of his situation, but not letting the assessment speak to him about his value according to the promise. Does that make sense? He took an assessment of where he was at. He's 100 years old. Now this is back in Genesis 15 through 21, chapter 15 through 21. He is unable beyond, okay, childbearing years, and so is his wife. He took a look at that. And everything about that situation could speak to him and say, you know what, it's not going to happen. But what these verses said to us last week is it says, with, uh, let me just read it. Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body 
now as good as dead. He was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb, yet with respect to the promise, looking through the promise, and not looking through the current situation. Ladies and gentlemen, anytime you look through your worldly view of things, I guarantee it'll put you behind the eight ball. I guarantee you'll start beating yourself up. I guarantee you'll start saying, look, this is unaccomplishable. But what Abraham said is, the Lord said something to me. And because he said something to me, I'm going to rest in that and not on what the world is communicating to me. Amen? Man, that's a, that's a lesson I need to learn every single day. There's things that come at me every single day. But the Lord said to me some however many years ago, I'm going to make a way for you. And he continues to be true to that promise, even when I don't think he's going to. <laughs> it's amazing. But that brings us up to verse 23. And in this 23, 24, and 25. You guys hear me say a lot that from Genesis to Revelation and in every sentence, every word, every piece of punctuation, every pregnant pause and, and prayer is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is not just in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay, it's in Genesis and Revelation. You see it in the life of Abraham. You see it in the life of David. You see it in the life of Noah. If you just take a second to stop and pause, you'll realize that it's all centered around the gospel. All of it. So with that being said, let me say this to you guys. Why would we come in here? Why would we come into this building and not have the gospel come across the pulpit every single day? If that's what it's about from Genesis to Revelation, why would I speak anything different? I hope that the same is being preached in every other church in Bokhamas and in the nation. Why is that? Because there might be people who walk into those churches who the night before were contemplating taking their own life. We're saying, you know what, I'm done with this. Not wanting to be a part of something anymore. And what they need is the Word. What they need is what is in Genesis to Revelation. You guys don't need my corny jokes and weird analogies and trying to be funny. It does not work. I mean, it really, it doesn't. Sometimes we'll say stuff, and I'm like, yes, this is good. Get them, crickets. <laughs> yeah. That's not going to save you. Paul is going to get at something here as I read this that brings it all back to where it needs to be. And I don't mind sounding like a broken record on a Sunday morning because this is what is going to save. This is what is going to get you past that hurdle, that life-dominating problem. Which I'm going to tell you right now, ladies and gentlemen, it has a shelf life. A life-dominating problem, problem is an easiest term, I think, coined by Rick Richter. That has a shelf life. Amen. Whew, man, I can breathe now. It's not going to be like this forever. But let's read this and see what Paul is saying to close this chapter out. Are you guys with me this morning? Good. It says, Now not for his sake only was it written that it was credited to him, but for our sake also to whom it will be credited as those who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. 
He who was delivered over because of our transgressions and was raised because of our justification. You know, initially reading through that, as I read through the whole chapter, you can kind of just, in the rhythm of reading, reading, just kind of get through it. There's not a whole lot there, but there's actually more here than I, I think I even have time to preach this morning. But I'm going to start by, by telling you guys just a real short story about a real human being. His name is Fritz Chrysler. Right? He's a violinist. And I think he died somewhere in like 1960, 65, within that window. And he was 90-some years old, so he lived for a while. But this guy was a famous violinist, all right? And as I came upon this story in my studying and reading, just so you know, this is not an analogy. Real life as a real person, all right? Um, it said that he would take all of his proceeds and the things that he would earn from his performances and he would just give most of it away. Amen? It's good stuff, right? Well, he comes to a place where he finds this uh, very, very unique violin that he wants to buy. And lo and behold, because he's giving all his money away, he doesn't have enough at the moment to go buy this thing, right? So what he does is he spends some time raising the money to go get this. And he goes to the, the, the person who is selling this violin and says, I want to buy it. But the person said, look, a, a collector came and purchased the violin before you could get here, so I'm sorry, I don't have it anymore. And he said, all right, well, let me at least go to the, the collector's house because if anybody knows what a collector does with things that they collect, what do they do? They kind of just sit around, right? Um, yeah, I can't even really think of things that I collect. I want to say maybe I collect shoes, but I use those. <laughs> uh, tools, but I use tools as well. Thank you, Mother. Um, so a collector of things like that is just going to sit. So he goes to this guy's house and he says, I would really like to buy this violin from you. Would you be willing to sell it to me? And the guy said, you know what, it's become one of my most prized possessions when it's not for sale. And being a musician, when I get on the piano, like nothing else exists. All right? It's just fun. All right? So as a violinist, him understanding that basically this violin is never going to be played again, I mean, there was some, some emotional reaction to that. He was devastated. So he says to this guy, would you allow me just to play it one, more, one last time before it's destined for silence? And the owner was like, sure, we can do that. So mind you, this guy's like highly skilled violinist. Picks this thing up, starts playing it, and the way he played that, understanding that it was the last time, could possibly be the last time that this violin was ever played, and he played his heart out, and it was so moving that the man, the collector, said, "I have no right to keep this thing. I have no right." to keep this away from the world. And he gave the violin to this guy, Mr. Christ, and said, I need you to go let the world hear what you just played. Now I'm reading this story, and as a pastor, things happen throughout the week, and all I do is try to spiritualize it. <laughs> and, and make it preaching material, right? Some things are preachable, some things are not, and you, know, you, you learn not to stretch stuff, because you can't stretch the scripture, so hey, don't stretch that analogy. But it was, it was such a, a, a perfect picture, ladies and gentlemen, of the gospel. That we have 
something that the world needs to hear. And we have no right to not play that instrument. We have no right to let that instrument sit and collect dust. It needs to be played. Are you guys with me this morning? See, that hit me so so powerfully that as we, we continue to read this, the question is, what are we allowing the world to hear when we actually do open up our mouth about who Jesus is and what the basis of our belief is? Because you guys hear me say a lot, you can't, can't just come in here, sit in a seat, and check it off the list, right? I, I use the, the analogy all the time, just because you sit in a garage doesn't make you a car. Right? Sit in church doesn't make you a Christian. It is how you live. But guess what? We mess up. We're all sinners. We have things in our lives that we're not good at. We have things in our lives that we're great at. The grace of God takes care of that. Alright? He's not asking you to be perfect. But he is asking you to show up. Amen? Show up to living like a Christian. Not showing up to church. That we can take on. Does that make sense this morning? So what is it that we're giving? What's the basis of our belief? What's the content of my faith? Paul begins to answer this question very simply in these last three verses. But you've got to understand, uh, they make more sense. The, the him and the he that he's talking about in here with the little age is Abraham. Now, I missed this cross-reference in the first service, but let's turn very quickly same book, Romans 15. And it's verse 4. And it says this. For whatever was written in earlier times was, writ was written for our instruction so that through perseverance, wow, perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. What that is saying is that all scripture is relevant. Things that were written in earlier times apply today. Paul was using the example of Abraham and his faith and his interchange and transaction with the Lord back in Genesis 15 through chapters 21. And the faith that was produced in that moment, the faith that was stepped into in that moment, specifically the promise being given, the 14 years that the promise wasn't realized and then the day it was. See, the God that we serve is going to say things to you. He's going to promise you stuff. And then faith needs to be activated. It needs to be stepped into. That may take 14 minutes. We pray for that. But it may take 14 years. Nonetheless, what he said didn't change that whole time. The whole time. So Paul is using Abraham and his faith saying to the Jewish nation that these rules and regulations that you're living your life by, sorry, they have no weight to them. But if you look at Abraham and the faith he stepped into and that which he had in those moments of having his life say something different than what the promise said, man, that right there is what gets you through the day. Because it doesn't change. He said what he said, regardless of if we put our hand on it, or if we take our hands off, or if we, uh, any part of our participation, 
doesn't change the deity of who God is. Of God's deity, let me say it like that. It doesn't change who God is. You guys with me this morning? Thank goodness for that. Thank the Lord that when He's when I'm not faithful, He's still faithful. When I'm not right, He's always right. And I should use the word righteous rather than right. Amen? Amen. So these first few scriptures back in uh, uh, chapter 4, verse 23, are pertaining to that, to that. It says, now not for his sake only was it written that it was credited to him, but for our sake also to whom it will be credited. And then there's a comma right there. But it's speaking to us, Paul is speaking to the church at Rome saying, this was not just for Abraham. You think in your mind, like these characters in the Bible, well, they're in the Bible for a reason because they did something extraordinary and the Lord just decided to put them in there. I can never do that. I can never do that, Paul. I can never do that, Abraham. What he's saying is that this isn't just a history lesson. This, is, this wasn't just for Abraham. This is for you today. It's for you to access today. But as we access a room or access huh, anything, an ATM, there's a code, there's a key, right, to get you in. There's a code and there's a key. There's something that gets us in to experiencing verses 23 and 24. It was credited to him, credited to Abraham, placed on the deposit in his account, so that he could withdraw from that. But for our sake also, to whom it will be credited, here's how it's credited. What are we playing? What are we allowing the world to hear with this violin, this gospel of Jesus Christ? It says this, halfway through verse 24, as those who believe in him, big H, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. What I love about the word is that it's simple. You know what it doesn't say? Him who believed for a certain amount of time that God was going to uh, bring the promise to fruition. Now, the reason I say that is this. The content of our faith, the content of Abraham's faith, wasn't even in the fact that he was going to bring Isaac. It wasn't in the fulfillment of the promise. The content of his faith was that he believed that God was capable of bringing life from a dead situation. The content of his faith was based from a place of the Lord being raised from the dead. The content of our faith needs to be from there, not from the promise being spoken, and then all of a sudden my faith is based on the promise coming to fruition. Because that would mean for Abraham it took him 14 years. To believe. That's not it. In Genesis 15, chapter, uh, verse 4, I think, no, verse 6, excuse me, he says, I am going to make you, or give you descendants of many nations, uh, many descendants, excuse me, father of many nations. Man, I just butchered the mess out of that, right? <laughs> wow. But that's where the promise was spoken. Right? Now, had Abraham said, I won't believe until, man, that's a long time. It just says in that verse that he believed. That's it. 
And after that it says, and it was credited to Abraham as righteousness. It was placed on his account, deposited to him as righteousness. And righteousness is that which God approves. So the Lord said, I approve of your belief right now. I love it. I want the Lord to approve of mine. But guess what? It's not works-based. You can't work yourself there. It is simply a decision to step across the line and say, regardless of what things are speaking to me, situations, circumstances are speaking to me, I am simply going to believe because he rose from the dead. Are you with me this morning? Now when I say, and I use this, this, this story as a violin, and what's being heard, and what we have a responsibility to portray and communicate to the rest of the world, is it that we're, we should have faith in the perfect life of Jesus Christ? No. All the miracles that he performed, honestly, no. Now, you may be looking at me like, are uh, you crazy? Yeah, I am crazy. But this is what the Word is communicating. Very quickly, let's turn to Acts 2, verses 22 to 25. It says this, Men of Israel, listen to these words, Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to, excuse me, attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs, watch this, which God performed through him in your midst. Just as you yourself know, this man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to the cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. Here we go. But God raised him, Jesus Christ, up again putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. Beginning of these verses, it says that God worked miracles through Jesus. Alright? Now that means that as those miracles were being worked through him, do you understand that miracles can be worked through you as well? Now Jesus lived a perfect life. Perfect. But he was fully God and fully man. Meaning that he was subject to the same temptations and the things that we are. But he was perfect. He worked these miracles. He did all these glorious, wonderful things. If we put our faith in that, I'd be hard-pressed to say yes. Because here's why. At the end of this verse, it talks about who raised Jesus from the dead. Faith in God who raised him from the dead. And what does it talk about back in, uh, in Romans 4? The end of this as those who believe in him, big H, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. Now I'll say this, the title of this message is more than a martyr. For 33 years, Jesus was perfect. Now, is that possible for any one of us to do? It's impossible. It's possible because the Lord never did anything that he didn't see his father doing. So he was, looking at, he was looking at God the whole time. But everything that he did in those 33 years, had he not walked out of the tomb, he would just have been an amazing man who did some amazing things. 
Does that make sense? The miracles, the signs, and the wonders, great. And I'm not taking those and putting them and giving them lesser value. Please don't hear me say that. Because then that would just take the entire New Testament and kind of pitch it out the window. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that as we play this violin and we speak to people about Jesus, and we give them this saving grace that this is the only reason why he is who he said he is because he's the only one who conquered death. Is there anybody in here this morning? You have a God who said death no longer has its sting. Because of that, I can wake up in the morning. The circumstances that I deal with on a daily basis become lesser, uh, uh, not of lesser value, but of, uh, they're just not as big anymore, okay? Because the one who is pursuing me come to me like that song we, we, we wrote, uh, we sang. The one who's coming after me spoke to death and said, well, probably laughed, and said, I'm not subject to you anymore. Paul is, is, is coming with, in these last three verses, this recentering the Jewish culture on, here's the reason why you're justified. It's because of the fact that he was risen from the dead and nothing else. So what I want to bring to you guys this morning is the same thing as you, as you speak about the gospel and your duty is to speak about the gospel in your uh, social environment what's brought the only thing that can save somebody's life I love I love how, how Dan put it even with the, the Gideon Bible no amount of giving those out being on campus will change anybody the word itself is what will opening that book up is what will are you with me this morning church and then he closes the whole chapter out with this very statement, that very point, verse 25. He who was delivered over because of our transit, uh, transgressions. Now the Greek word for delivered, paradidomai. And what that is, it's a judicial term. Something happened, a.k.a. in the garden, with Adam, there was something that needed to be paid for, atoned for, sin. All right, the Lord, on God's uh, predetermined plan that we, we looked at in Acts two twenty-two, which just basically means that once the fall of man happened, the Lord set this up that Jesus had to come and atone for this. So when I use the word predetermined, I want to be real. Uh, clear with everybody in here that this has nothing to do with predestination. Nothing whatsoever. So don't go there with it. Alright? Let's just be clear about that one. But it was God's predetermined plan to send His Son. So when that happened, He was delivered over because of me, because of Adam, Adam because of sin, pretty much. And then the last part says, and was raised because of our justification. When the Lord spoke to Jesus and said, get up, or however it happened, to be honest with you, 
I wish I was there, but I'm, I could care less if I was or if I wasn't because he did walk out of the tomb. I'm good. I need gold details. Whatever he said to him, it was because he wanted to justify me. You realize that he was raised because he wanted to justify you. What is just, what's that justification look like? It looks like, let's just think about every sin we've ever committed. I'll give you a second. Put it right in front of you. Jesus comes in and says, I want to make it as if that doesn't even exist. And justify you to a place where we can just have a relationship. We can talk. We can communicate. And guess what? You don't have to beat yourself up every single day for what you've done in the past. Because what is the past? It's dead. It's dead. You've heard me say before, drag a dead body around, what does it do? Nothing. Nothing. Right? What will relying or, let me say this, consulting your past for anything do? It's dead. It's gone. What is the Lord saying to you right now in this moment about who you are, about who He is? Are we living in that? See, I think this could be a, a message for Easter morning. Because Good Friday, man, that's, that's a serious day. That's when Jesus said his last words and finally died. The whole trek to the cross. Unbelievable. But had he died and not walked out of the tomb, ladies and gentlemen, all of that would have been nothing. All of it. So what am I saying to people? Yes, Jesus died for your sins, but the reason why I have confidence in the promise and why I believe in the content of my faith is because he raised from the dead. It's because he conquered death. And it's more of an encouragement, and I pray, I pray so much that it gives you confidence to go and do and overcome and let the Lord take stumbling blocks and turn them into stepping stones. To me, it's like, what else do we need? Why do I get to a place in my life where I start questioning whether he's going to show up or not? Ladies and gentlemen, let's be real. That happens on a daily, weekly basis. I'm not special just because I'm up here, and I definitely don't have it figured out. <coughs> None of us in here do. But at what point is him and his resurrection enough? At what point does that yank us out of the cyclical, mental, beating ourselves up, taking our own selves hostage for the crap that we've done? He's saying, stop. I have taken care of that already. What I need you to do is I need you to let me work through you, just like I did with Jesus. Because I'm not trying to be like Paul. I'm not trying to be like Abraham. I'm not trying to be like Timothy. The word says, be not even like Jesus. Be him. Become him. That's, that's a good one. I like that. If that's the case, God did miracles through him. He wants to do miracles through you as well. I think he wants to do some of that stuff this morning. I don't know how, I don't know what that's going to look like, that's going to say that, but we're going to let him sleep. We're going to let him move. More than a martyr, I love him. He more than just died for you. He rose for you. Come on. I don't know what else y'all need to hear this morning. 
you got here or maybe this week you had something welling up in you. Maybe a word or maybe something for the congregation that is for the edification of the body. Lifting up. First service we had a couple. And I'm just going to pray right quick as we, we ask the Lord to, to stir that up in us. Father, if you've been doing work in somebody's heart this whole week, they got something that, Lord, you want to speak to us through them. God, I pray that, that this is the moment where we'll release that, release that word, we want to hear that. And it's not about who's carrying the word as much as the word itself coming from you, Father. Lord, if that is in anybody, I pray that you would stir it up in this moment as we close this service and just ask for your spirit to be here. Oh, God. 
Jesus. Moving out. Thank you, Jesus. We got to look at it, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. We got to go out and say, this is the kind of God I serve. We're going to show people, this is the God I serve. Hallelujah. Give God a great hand clap. Right now.
morning, Lord, we pray, Romans 1, 16, that we are unashamed. Father, unashamed to let what's in us come out. Unashamed of the gospel. Unashamed of who you made me to be, who you made us to be. Father, I'm unashamed of Alex Everyone else needs to be able to say that, that they're unashamed of this vessel. 